Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the UW Film Club podcast, where each week we invite a member of the club onto the show to talk about a movie of their choosing. Whether that movie be good, bad, topically relevant, or anything in between, it's all on the table. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Arietta, and joining me, as always, is Cynthia Lee. Hello. And this week, first time on the podcast guest, Joel Garcia. Hello, I'm Joel. I've uh, <laughs> I've been a member for like a year now. I'm a sophomore, technically. Uh, joined film club uh, when I went to Dog Days. I was like, okay, I like movies. This club likes movies. I should go to this club. And then I yeah started going. Yeah. yeah. And I'm glad to know the Dog Days events. Yeah. Are actually doing something. Yeah. Yeah. They work. So. Yeah. Uh, so, what film did you bring to the table this week? I brought to the table Lost in Translation, a classic from 2003, directed by Sofia Coppola, starring Scarlett Johansson and Bill Murray. Basically, just two people who end up in Tokyo, Japan, and they uh, go about their time there together and uh, kind of work out their existential crises that they're both going through mm-hmm. yeah it's uh it's kind of complicated yeah this is a film me jamie Housen, and will cater had programmed uh, my first quarter as like president so i'd seen it a long ass time ago but more recently i'd gotten into uh like sofia coppola's filmography so that's where i revisited it and it's not my favorite of hers, but it's still very good. Mm-hmm. She only has, she has a very small filmography, but it's all very good. I would say the only bad film in her filmography is The Bling Ring, but like when you have a filmography of just so many great films, it's hard to like just, you can't just say like, oh, well, yeah. Lost yeah. in Translation is bad. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, it just, she has a lot of great stuff. Uh, this is her second film, yeah. mm-hmm. made in 2003, post Virgin Suicides. It is the one that won her an Oscar yes. for yeah. her best original screenplay. Very much in like this realist aesthetic. It kind of matches with uh, Somewhere, more or less. If you look at like, like Marie Antoinette, mm-hmm. and I would group that with like The Virgin Suicides and The Bling Ring. Mm-hmm. So I'd group those together. And Beguile's also in that kind of category, but like in terms of like realist aesthetic and evoking that kind of mm-hmm. Italian neorealism or evolving it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was, that's how I melt them together. I mean, Lost in Translation was a film that I saw when I was like early teens, I might have said. I think a friend just like suggested it out of the blue, like, oh, Lost in Translation, it's like a really good film, you should check it out. This one and Virgin Suicide, like, suicides compete in terms of like my favorite Sofia Coppola film. I think it depends on my mood yeah. <laughs> on which one I would like over the other but it's a great film and i was just really excited to kind of revisit it this time yeah dude this is obviously your favorite so yeah mm-hmm. right yeah i mean the virgin suicides is amazing but like mm-hmm. I would it's just say, like tackling different things yeah. so like you i mean kind of... they're like pretty different films in terms of what they're talking about so mm-hmm. i think i have a hard time between picking between virgin suicides and Marie Antoinette and somewhere oh, somewhere really? is just like a whole other level because she makes Marie Antoinette which is like a medium budget kind of period yeah. piece that's very super stylized and you think she would go on and make something bigger but then she makes this like really intimate small film mm-hmm. that I'm like and it has like a 3-3 on Letterboxd and I was like mm, 
is probably mm. average. And I, was like, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, what is everyone talking about? This is like the greatest <laughs> thing. I haven't seen that one. I was one, so, so blown away. Neither have I. Can't I speak I've, heard, I've heard you rave about it. So yeah. I have so to. Good. It's on my computer as we speak. Yeah. But it's even more realist than the Lost in Translation. Really? There's just shots that are just so, that last forever. It's yeah. not necessarily slow cinema, but it's like I think taking someone little would traits from it. Even suggest that Lost in Translation might be slow, even yeah. though I don't think it is. But yeah, I mean, depending on the person, like especially like the intro, where like there's a lot of those shots where uh, Charlotte's just like sitting there in the hotel room or whatnot. Like a lot of those scenes might drag out for some people, but I don't know. Not for me, yeah. obviously. So um, you already touched on the premise before this, but basically you got Bill Murray playing. Bob Harris, mm-hmm. yeah, and then you have Scarlett Johansson playing Charlotte. Charlotte yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know her last. You know her last name? Charlotte. Uh, no, think on so. IMDb, there's no last name. Yeah, it's just Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, Bob Harris is kind of like this washed-up celebrity who's kind of like a has-been. He's like you see past videos of him mm-hmm. and people come up to him as if he's like this old like kind of action star. Yeah. Action I think. star. Bob Harris, and they're like. And he's very much like, he's come to Japan to do a whiskey commercial. Which is ironic in itself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's like doing it for the money. Mm-hmm. He could be doing a play somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Could he really be? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's kind of at uh, the end of his time. And then Scarlett Johansson is a like 22 year old. Col- fresh out of college. Yeah. yeah. Psychology, recent grad from Yale, Yale right? Yeah. Or was that a figure speech? He says it's like a figure of speech, but I'm pretty sure she graduated from I think Yale. I'm she did. Sure. Her, I think um, her husband was like, yeah. not everyone graduated uh-huh. from Yale. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, so she had just recently graduated. She just followed her husband to Japan, who was doing photography shoot there. And both, and she's at like the beginning of her life, kind of when you exit out of college, she's at the beginning mm-hmm. of her life. Mm-hmm. Bill Murray, opposite end of the spectrum, end of his life. Uh, and the two are having existential crises in terms of... How do they belong? Yeah. Yeah. One is like, what have I done with my life? Mm-hmm. And the other one's like, what will I do with yeah. my life? So they meet at this hotel mm-hmm. in this pretty swanky bar inside the hotel. Which, like, do you... Like, it's like, I feel like it's a pretty sad thing to go to, like, a hotel to bar. bar. Yeah. <laughs> Especially yeah. in Japan. Like, uh-huh. you're picking, like... I think it was, like, the Hyatt... Yeah, Hyatt, yeah, and mm-hmm. that's like probably the most Western hotel you can uh-huh. go to in the middle of Tokyo, Japan. Yeah, mm-hmm. even the music is just yeah. like really like jazz music. Yeah, yeah, uh, music is one thing I'll touch on because mm-hmm. like Sophie Coppola has oh, like, yeah. a, a bit long history yeah. Yeah. Of, yeah. of using contemporary soundtracks, but um, thematically speaking, it's like kind of like this introspective existential crisis movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah precisely. That's like the perfect. Like, yeah. 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 Introspective. Uh, there's a lot of shots of them just kind of gazing uh, gazing and walking around yeah. and you think it's kind of like nothing and it kind of is in that sense where it's like they're doing this and they're like well what am i what am i doing yeah so, yeah so i think before we like i guess dive deeper into that there are some like things that haven't yeah. aged well yes well, just get it out yeah. of the way right yeah. now yeah there are a few comments in here that do not age well yeah uh it's like they, that that prostitute scene kind of was not great. Uh-huh. They make a comment about like R's and L's. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, like in the sushi shop and then yeah. Bill Murray says the Asian accent. Yeah. Like, Some things just don't hold up well. Mm-hmm. So like just take that into consideration when you're watching this. Um, 
was 2003. Yeah. I but, mean, it's still not really acceptable, but, but things have yeah. changed like a lot. Yeah, like the like the social climate and like like what is acceptable in a film now is like changed. Mm-hmm. The way I would describe it is something like uh, Chasing Amy. Chasing mm-hmm. Amy is like Kevin Smith, and he's like he's trying to make a, like a really like sex positive kind of film. But in that this made in 1997, and there are some like lines that don't like stand for the time yeah. anymore. But it's like, yeah. but it's like Kevin Smith. So he's obviously, I mean, Kevin Smith. Have you ever listened to the guy? The guy's like doesn't sound like he could harm a fly. <laughs> but there are some things in like social climate has changed, so like it doesn't hold up as well. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of like how I would describe this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, just some lines just don't. It's like a couple lines, but like if you think of it in the way of like, oh, it is 2003, they're kind of like, they're not too harmful to the point where like you, it detracts you from the film immediately. Yeah. Like I think they're, they're not harmless. They yeah. are kind of like offensive in a way, but they don't detract from the film yeah. as a whole in your experience it's, watching it's it. It's kind of like a thing where it's like, you hear it, it's like, I don't know if that was right. But, like, but then you kind of forget about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not like overly like racist by any means. Like I would say, but it's like Bill Murray's like that, that one uncle who makes like a joke. Yeah, like that's, that's, short, that's short and sweet joke, and you're like, uh, yeah, it's uh, like uh, <laughs> why did yeah. he do that? Yeah, yeah. so uh, just know, and we're just like, acknowledging it before we're like, yeah. yeah, before like we get like 40 minutes into this podcast, and, and then, like <laughs> it's all like, of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, it's yeah. also kind By of by the way, slightly othering. Yeah, yeah. So now that we addressed that, uh, let's talk about how like the location plays into, like, this existential crisis, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I think one of the good things about the fact that it is in Japan yeah. is, like, kind of like an othering experience. Mm-hmm. It is, like, this... If you ever go to Japan, it's, like, yeah, very yeah. unique culture. When I went there last year, like, I felt like I was an outsider. And mm-hmm. it's just a whole nother thing. Western versus Asian cultures yeah, is, like, totally different. It seems different. really overwhelming. Like, I've never been, but, mm-hmm. like, 20 million people in such a tiny area. Yeah, like, 90% of the uh, population lives in an urban environment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Random Packwood. So, <laughs> so more you know. Yeah. Uh, but I think the fact that it's in, like, this kind of, um, like, you're totally, they're so totally removed from everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, like culturally that they just it also kind of feeds into the fact that they, they themselves don't know where they are yeah, yeah. Uh, I think like the, f- the fact that it's like lost in translation they're like so lost yeah. that it takes like even the environment is becoming this place where they're lost into it mm-hmm. yeah like she's going through like an arcade and just looking mm-hmm. at all the people enjoying yeah. themselves yeah. but she's not necessarily doing that yeah she's mm-hmm. kind of just like trying to find herself but the fact that she like doesn't necessarily understand or like it's like you don't see that like I mean yeah. they play Guitar Hero but yeah. like that's that becomes bigger later on mm-hmm. after 2003 yeah uh, they have that that drum what's mm-hmm. the what's the specific word for it taiko mm. taiko yeah. you always hear them at club day yeah mm-hmm. um yes. but like the environment like plays into the fact mm-hmm. that like they are wandering yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's like it's one of those things where like that you the setting feeds into the overall thematic elements yeah yeah whereas opposed to like sometimes it's just like you go to this other place because it's exotic and it's mm-hmm. worldly and you go there because it makes for like a cool setting or whatever yeah. but here it's, it kind of plays an important thematic element to it and yeah. it's also a cool setting yeah <laughs> it's cool but like also extremely important mm-hmm. like kind of like before sunrise in that way like mm-hmm. how you they're placed in this foreign setting they know nothing except for the person that they're with yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. But I think there's like more an a- extra impact in terms of like using like an Asian country as opposed to like maybe a European city. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because like 
like the culture difference between Western societies and like Asian societies are massively different. Mm-hmm. Like in Japan, everyone is like so used to like being to themselves. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily feed outwards with the way like a lot of Western societies do. Yeah. And like there is like that scene that night on the town scene, which is my favorite in the whole thing. Oh, where yeah, they're, like, my favorite. Where yeah. they just like they start getting it and they're like yeah. having fun. And yeah. Yeah, like, go to all these different bars, and that's when they're starting to, like... I guess that's, like, when they're having the most fun, and they're, like, in the environment. Yeah. The most fun they have is outside the hotel, but they stick to the hotel a lot. The hotel, I guess, if you want to, like, be super analytically, Mm -hmm. like, the hotel is, like, the reason what brought them there. Yeah. It's just, like, like it's whiskey endorsements, Mm -hmm. and, like, sitting in the hotel in until your husband comes back. Yeah. Yeah. And then on the town scene, the first one is just amazing. Like yeah, every part of it, like from when they're doing karaoke, from when they're sitting in the hallway to the car ride home, when sometimes by my bloody Valentine starts playing, and then it's just Scarlett Johansson looking out the window. It's mm-hmm. beautiful, like the way it's shot. Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> and it's also like you have that iconic pink hair and yeah. like yeah. inside like, out yeah. camo T-shirt yeah. that like makes its way into all these different montages. Mm-hmm. Whenever you go on YouTube, it's always in there. Yeah. Yeah. So good. I know. Like, every part of it. Like, I saw that, I saw this one, like, years ago, and that, that scene is the one I, like, yeah, so is being planted like, in my like, head. Every single time I watch it, I'm like, it's coming, it's coming. <laughs> uh, let's talk about music. Because mm-hmm. music's in yeah, that for Nine sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sophie Coppola has a long history of, like, using contemporary soundtracks in her films. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you see like the Virgin Suicides, Bling Ring, or Marie Antoinette, they all have, they're all like used as soundtracks. Mm-hmm. There are scores, uh, but contemporary soundtracks uh, make a prominent a- appearance and they're often used instead of the score to mm-hmm. feed into the themes. She's really good at it, uh, the way the contemporary songs feed into character emotions or like kind of setting the mood. Works really well and she's like really proficient at like choosing the songs mm-hmm. uh, if you even like look at uh, like A Very Merry Christmas it's in there <laughs> the only that. one that breaks the trend is like The Beguiled uh-huh. which uh-huh. has like one uh, Civil War song they use and they sing it as like entertainment to Colin Farrell's character but besides that that's like the <laughs> only one because it's, like, it's a period piece yeah, yeah. yeah. but and then I say that but then she's a into it yeah, <laughs> yeah but uh, but this film uses it more in, like, it comes from the world of the diegesis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the same way that Somewhere does it. Like, mm-hmm. it has that realist aesthetic. So instead of using contemporary music to break with the stylings, oh, yeah. the realist, mm-hmm. realism stylings, she just kind of uses it in terms of, like, someone in the world actually singing it. So that would be, mm-hmm. like, either the karaoke scene yeah. or, like, the bar singers. Yeah. And uh-huh. they're, they're singing, like, Simon and Garfunkel and, like, almost, like, love ballads that kind of feed into, like, it's like I'm Dreaming of You or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's kind of playing into like the like emotions that are going through the two characters. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so she does use music. She uses contemporary music, but in in the sense that it is coming from the world itself. Mm-hmm. Feeds that realism. Like I've heard, like people call the film like really musically driven. Like I wouldn't necessarily say that. Like, but it, it just seems it just feeds yeah. the like mood. Yeah, like really well. Mm-hmm. Like it's not. Uh, just not musically driven, but it's just extremely key at the same time, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. yeah just the mu- I feel like the music is just important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to all of her films, I guess you could say, like, excluding The Beguile, but... Uh, I haven't seen that one, so I can't mm-hmm. can't say about that as well. 
even the quietude is like I would say is equally more, as important yeah, for sure definitely yeah. I think the music that like she often plays isn't like these giant rock ballads or mm -hmm. anything they're always like these kind they're not monotone but they're kind of melancholy yeah. in a way except mm -hmm. for maybe the jazz music mm -hmm. but the, yeah the melancholy kind of just adds to like this loneliness and like them coming together yeah I wouldn't call it subtle but yeah melancholy is definitely the right mm -hmm. word yeah it's but it's definitely not super like overt like a lot of films kind of just like if you listen to the lyrics, they're supposed yeah, to tell you what's like, going on. This is on. how you feel. Yeah. yeah. It's like a lot of these films, like, like even Spider-Man to Spider-Verse is probably the most recent addition. Or like, they use the contemporary soundtrack, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But some songs work and some songs don't because it's, yeah. like, it's clearly like Sony reaching out to these, yeah. you know, like really popular rappers and saying, uh -huh. hey, you want to make a song for us? Yeah. And then yeah. they just like shove it in there. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, if I had any complaints about Spider-Verse, it'd be Agreed. the music sometimes. Yeah, it's like, like weirdly in there. Yeah, like, just it's like, oh, we need Post Malone, like, let's do that. <laughs> yeah. Have you guys seen Gloria Bell, the recent one? Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Every time, like, um, Julia Moore, Julianne Moore, every time she's feeling lonely or sad, she, like, ends up singing this song, and it kind of just, like, this is what Lost in Translation doesn't do, but sh basically she's always singing, and then the lyrics that come out of her mouth are supposed to, like, double down on, like, what she's supposed to be feeling, and yeah. I think it's, like, you're not trusting your audience enough yeah. to, like, understand what's going on, uh -huh. even though Julianne Moore puts, like, a really good performance, and you can see it through her emotions, but, like, she has to be singing a song to kind of, like, double down that she's feeling sad mm. or happy or lonely. And I think Lost in Translation doesn't do that, and it's, like, really perfect because this film is kind of subtle, and so, like, you kind of want to... You understand what they're going through through, like, their silence and their gazing, not by them talking about it. Yeah, like... Even the climax of the film, where they're both just laying on the bed and talking, like there's no music under it, or mm -hmm. even like leading up to it, like mm -hmm. it's just them talking. It's like, just listen to this. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when you think about like these musics, we're not saying like no one else doesn't like Sofia Coppola. Yeah. yeah. It's I mean it's it's like an auteur straight of hers to mm -hmm. use like a contemporary soundtrack in some facet or form, uh, but like when you think about it it's like her defining trait in the sense that like some directors will use it maybe like a couple times in their career yeah like you think of like Wolf of Wall Street comes to yeah. mind yeah. he uses a lot of contemporary uh -huh. music but, but Mark, does it's not like his thing yeah and like you can see it in like a lot it's almost if you don't have like a contemporary soundtrack in like a coming of age film then like what yeah it's like what are you doing you know? so like you'll see it a lot that's like you can see that's like a defining trait of that genre mm -hmm. and then again not all directors continue to do yeah. that yeah yeah Booksmart does it really well. Greg's <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah, just trying to plug in Booksmart. I'm changing the narrative. Time. I'm making the narrative. Starting it right now. <laughs> Booksmart. Um, but yeah, it's just like her thing. It's defining trade and it's in here. You just gotta like think about it mm -hmm. diegetically. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the interactions between Charlotte and Bob because we already touched on like their thematic arc which is like existential <laughs> crisis yeah. yeah and like the film acknowledges that it's like mm -hmm. oh you're gonna buy a Porsche oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, he's like I'm thinking about it yeah. uh, but it's almost like they're they're like friends and it's like almost like this because Bill Murray's obviously way older yeah, yeah. yeah. so like it, I'm glad it doesn't get sexual or romantic uh -huh. it's like a endearing kind of love yeah. he does like kiss her at the end yeah but mm -hmm. it's like not it's not like romantic. It doesn't yeah, feel like it doesn't it. feel romantic. 
But I've had conversations with people where they're like, oh, it's like obviously less, not that platonic. Yeah. But I don't think Coppola's like ever concerned about it. I don't think no. she really wants to define if it fits platonic or not. It's more like it's a relationship that they yeah. both need. Like mm-hmm. it's just a connection between two people. Like mm-hmm. I think like reading about what she intended for like the relationship to be in the film, mm-hmm. like she. I think explicitly didn't want anything sexual yeah, for, for sure. overly yeah. romantic. Mm-hmm. Just, and the, yeah. like, and like, sorry. It's okay. <laughs> but like, yeah, like she, like the climax of the film where they're just laying and talking, I, like she really wanted that to be it. Like mm-hmm. That could be totally over, like manipulated into yeah. a sexual thing, mm-hmm. but she doesn't do that. Yeah, like they're just laying there talking and then, yeah. And she kind of like diffuses that kind of notion with like when he has uh, the one night stand with the bar singer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because then, like, once it's near the end of the film, and once I like throw that in there, then it's like, oh, they're not gonna get romantic, and it's like mm-hmm. his attention is like elsewhere. Yeah, that's yeah. what I. Which saw is like not like I guess not like attention, but like it's like it's just like oh, all of a sudden it's like it puts that notion to bed. Mm-hmm. Because like once once she comes to the door, and like acknowledges that the singer's there, she's not like crying. Or yeah. Old. She's just like oh okay. I think yeah. she's more upset that she by the fact that she might lose that connection with. Mm-hmm. Rather uh-huh. than like, oh, she didn't like, yeah. get to like, like oh, you're be cheating. romantically involved with him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like their lunch afterwards. Like she's not like super mad by mm-hmm. any means. It's just like just awkward. Like, yeah, yeah. Like even when they like meet up afterwards, they're like, what a terrible lunch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, they're like they like they're almost like codependent. Yeah, it's, it takes someone like for for Bob's case, it's just he's someone with so much poten- mm-hmm. like potential yeah. not like potential but like hope for the yeah. future to yeah. like realize that he still has hope for his mm-hmm. future and to see for um, for Charlotte to see someone like Bob and where she's like he's going somewhere or and also the fact that like well we both don't know each other yeah. it's not like it's I think what it's trying to say in some in some capacity I'm not going to say it all that's pretty definitive but like to some capacity he's saying like well everyone kind of has this lost period yeah like, yeah there's no we're going uh but like the ending is resolute in that like yeah, it'd be fine yeah mm-hmm. like i think both for both of them they finally found people who would like believe in each other yeah where like the outside ex- like other side characters there's like a bunch of people who are just using them as like a prop or like they don't necessarily want to understand what they're going through or like believe in the future of them and I feel like for both of them they actually like find hope in one another and I think that was like the comforting thing yeah and like coming in it's like they were both kind of searching for like some sort of like definitive answer as okay. to like how is this going to get better but I think the movie addresses that like more vaguely and that like there's not it is going to be better yeah, but, but like we don't know how yeah there's it's like there's not one set way like mm-hmm. you just keep moving I guess like, yeah which is like the ambiguity of it yeah. which is like the best thing sometimes when you the, the best ones are like kind of the best films are somewhat ambiguous but they yeah. just don't like tell you which is great mm-hmm. sometimes when they like leave ambiguity can get to like detrimental yeah, yeah. if it's like a plot heavy thriller yeah. and you just leave a certain yeah. thing, element that's like why did this happen but yeah. in this case it's 
uh, emo- it's like yeah. thematically emotional. Also, like Lost in Translation is trying to like hit that like realism thing like really hard. Yeah. Like this could happen to pretty much anyone, mm-hmm. and so like ambiguity is like part of life essentially. So yeah. like if they did have a resolute answer, it would feel less real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like even like uh, when they're laying there and talking, like when Charlotte asks, like, does it get easier? And then Bob's just like, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of hope. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but then like the ending as well, which is intentionally ambiguous because yeah. mm-hmm. they're just like, they're just, she doesn't say like, well, I'm not going to tell you what they said to each other. Just yeah. time to deduce mm-hmm. it yourself. Uh-huh. I think there was in the behind the scenes thing they were trying to write something. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. I think Coppola was just like say something. Yeah, I don't care what you say. Yeah, yeah. it's because yeah, there was a ghost story. The letter they find in the ghost oh, story. Oh yeah. David mm-hmm. Lowry was like, I couldn't think of anything, so I just didn't. Show I think it. <laughs> Rooney. He told Rooney Mara to just like write something. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah. that kind of ambiguity is like it could be whatever you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to like Bill Murray's like importance because like. Sophia Coppola wasn't even going to make the movie without having him exactly paying, playing Bob Harris. And I think, like, yeah, she shouldn't have. Because, like, yeah. Bill Murray was, like, amazing in this. From, like, his just ability to be, like, vulnerable, but also still play that, like, celebrity washed up role. I think it was one of his, like, first dramatic roles. Yeah. Am I recalling that correctly? Mm-hmm. I don't more, know. Like, more so, yeah. Like, well, like, completely dramatic. But if he does, like, when he does do the dramatic, these dramatic pieces, he always plays up these, like, washed-up people. Like, <laughs> yeah. I think a couple podcasts ago, we did uh, Life Aquatic with Steve Suzo. It's mm-hmm. also starring Bill Murray, and it's kind of, like, the same thing. He's, like, this washed-up director who, yeah. like, doesn't know where he's going in his life. Uh-huh. I think he's more lost in this, though. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, Bill Murray plays it. He's just really good. Like, all his um, comedic beats are, like, perfectly timed, and that might be because of Coppola's script, which is, like, fantastic. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, he plays, like, melancholy really well. Yeah. You're telling me Garfield's not a serious movie? Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. Garfield. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Garfield is totally oh a God. serious movie. <laughs> yeah, like, like, even, like, uh, I think he improvised, I think it was the second shoot for the whiskey thing. Like, he, like, that was oh. all him. That was all him. And then there's a, I think there's another few parts of the film. I can't remember which, but he also improvised parts of it. And, like... Yeah, they did it great. So and now they're reuniting. Yeah. yeah. Oh so yeah. The Apple deal. Yeah. 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 Did you guys see the Apple press conference? I sat through like all two hours of that damn press conference, waiting for Sofia Coppola. Uh, mm-hmm. and like oh, and, and I was like oh, when are they gonna bring it out? They bring her out for like the sizzle reel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a little like thing about directing. I'm like hell yeah, they're gonna bring her out. And then they bring out all these shows, and they don't show anything about it. Mm-hmm. You get more information from like the Hollywood Reporter article than you do anything else so I know it's so vague but like as long as it happens I'll get Apple what is it TV plus for that one <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's when I'll start my trial yeah agreed agreed you want to talk about like Kelly and John because oh, yeah. they're kind of like the anti-parallel or uh-huh. like the anti-versions of them yeah where they kind of like pretend that they know what they're doing mm-hmm. in Japan and the funny thing about John is I think he was loosely based on Spike Jones. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because uh, Sofia Coppola and him had like, just divorced. And also the cinematographer for the film had worked with Spike Jones on adaptation and being John Malkovich, if I can remember correctly. So <laughs> it might have been a little awkward there, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yikes. Oh, Johnson. I didn't think about it in that kind of introspective. Mm-hmm. I knew they'd gotten married and divorced. Yeah. But I yeah. didn't know 
that John and contextualize was contextualizes yeah. Spike Jones. And like at that time, I could definitely imagine Spike Jones being like that because like kind was, of like a kiss up to everyone. Yeah, and like I think he was doing Jackass then. So it's just funny because so like funny. looking at her, which is like so like also intimate. Mm-hmm. Like so, seeing that progression from like being based on like John to making a film like that. It's funny. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. There's such a, it's such a departure into the tone of the film. Yeah. Like whenever they come on the screen, mm-hmm. they like try to enact this like really loudness that just doesn't necessarily, I mean, I understand why it's in there, but it's like obvious, like they don't fit. Yeah. And I feel like it's like people trying to pretend that they are like, Im- not embracing, but like, they're pretending to cover up something that yeah. might not, like, that they don't know how to deal with. I think the contrast between Bob and Charlotte, between like John and Kelly, is like John and Kelly don't necessarily know what's going on in Japan as well, and they're probably equally as lost, but they don't show it and they try to cover it up with like mm-hmm. suck up attitude or Kelly's case, like ramblings about yeah. like her movies. Just being like an airhead about it. Yeah. yeah like- like when she was giving like the press conference, she's like, "Yeah, I love Japan, you know, blah blah blah." Like I Buddhism, love karate, <laughs> karate, yeah. I feel like they kind of represent this kind of artificial sense of living, mm-hmm. where they kind of, like you said, they think they know what they're doing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like when you present it with someone, where you present it with Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson's characters, uh, it just comes off as really just like grating. You're mm-hmm. like, oh Jesus Christ, yeah. yeah. Um, they're kind of just like foils, I would say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they were funny. Yeah, they're funny. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, the contrast is really clear. Even like their friend, like when Charlotte's sitting there at the at the bar having dinner mm-hmm. with Kelly mm-hmm. and uh, John, and then like their friend's like, yo, have you like heard this new beat or whatever? And she's just like, uh-huh, yeah. Watching this film though does kind of make me sad about Scarlett Johansson and where her career has oh, come on. Oh yeah, agreed. Like she was 17 here. Yeah. And like her performance is amazing. Like it was subtle, but like really emotive at the same time mm-hmm. and super effective in her character. And then like... And then she's now like playing like... Which is ironic because she's like in this film, she's like an outsider in Japan, but now she's like picking up these like like Ghost in the Shell yeah. or like Lucy where they're like supposed to be Asian characters and yeah. she's signing on to them. Yeah. But it, it yeah. Watching this film just makes me sad about where her career has gone. Mm-hmm. She it like she had so much potential to play like these subtle, nuanced characters yeah. and instead she like chose to play like bombastic action things. Uh-huh. Which is fine. Yeah. I mean get your money, but like she worked with Spike Jones though uh-huh. later. Yeah. Which is funny. Uh-huh. Like the two roles in which she plays subtle and nuanced characters are like her oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. and yeah. Lost in Translation. Yeah. Sophia Coppola. Yeah, funny Spike how that worked Jones. out. I mean, she does have like those smaller roles. I think she's just more known for like the Black Widow kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Because she does like Hail Caesar. Mm. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. I totally forgot. And like yeah. Under the Skin is like pure art house film. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she's in that Woody Allen movie. I can't remember its name. Oh, there's mm. too many Woody Allen movies. Yeah. It's True, totally the truth. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I don't think we need any more Woody Allen movies because they're all the same yeah. at this point. Plus, all his baggage, we don't need that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> should have stopped being Woody Allen. Yeah. Yeah. Cancel Woody Allen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah she, I mean, like, she's cashing checks now, so can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But then it's also like, you hope, you hope Scarlett Joe, you hope someone like Brie Larson 
doesn't go down like his Brie Larson yeah. just won or had had won her Oscar and then it's like announced she's gonna be Captain Marvel yeah mm-hmm. and we were like fuck yeah <laughs> it's like no please can we have she, someone and now she has the unicorn store which I heard is not great I've uh, heard yeah. that's not oh yeah that just came out right yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. we'll see. We'll see. I mean, Johansson is coming out of like that Marvel contract, so mm-hmm. hopefully she kind of comes wait, back whoa, to whoa. She's got a whole Black Widow oh, movie. Fuck. Oh, she does. Yeah, she got a Black Widow movie coming out. Actually, mm-hmm. I had no idea. Uh, she's uh, not out yet. Not out yet. Uh, you know, maybe it'll bomb. No, it won't. It won't. It's Marvel. <laughs> Everybody loves Marvel. Wasn't out a bomb. What's the most? What was the most close to bombing yet? What is? The lowest uh, movie is like 700 bucks, 700 bucks. <laughs> I know. It's like, oh, wow. Only, well, like even Aquaman did fucking bomb. Nothing was not bomb. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I know. Did you guys like Aquaman? Did you no, watch it? Was dog I haven't shit. seen it because yeah, he it was telling dog me shit. that it's yeah. bad. Aquaman <laughs> is so bad and I saw all these critics getting a good reviews. I'm like, did we watch the same fucking Yeah, movie? like, it was <laughs> fucking terrible. I was like, so angry at that film. Yeah, like, so like, I was on Guam and with my, like, all my cousins and whatnot. And then my little cousin wanted to watch Spider-Verse. So I was like, hell yeah, let's watch <laughs> Spider-Verse. But then uh, my uncle was like, that's like a little kid's thing. It's like, it's just a cartoon. I was like, no. So we ended up watching Aquaman and had to sit through like two hours of that. That oh, was terrible. <laughs> so bad. I wish we had done like a whole episode for Aquaman. Just tear apart. So much of shit on that. But. So much of that film is just driven with a lot and there's like no room for like character development. It's yeah. just like event, event, uh-huh. event, event. It's like, well, more fighting. Here's Pitbull. More fighting. Yeah. Pitbull, yeah. So you haven't seen this CGI before. Well, how, how do we get from... Yeah, what a tangent. What a tangent. We kind of touched on like how this fits within like Sofia Coppola's filmography. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, like, you could say it's... I mean, she did win her Oscar for this film. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I mean, I don't... She hasn't gotten really close ever since. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She got... Uh, the girl won Khan, right? It was in Cannes. Um, mm. Did it not win? I don't think it won. Mm. It was in Cannes. A lot of things with Sofia Coppola is that they attribute her to like nepotism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, like watch it. Like these are amazing. Yeah. Whenever like Hollywood nepotism comes up, it's like oh Sofia Coppola's the one. And well, maybe I, I don't. Her she father probably got up a hand, but it doesn't like. It's not like we're watching. Um, like a Max fucking Landis film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like we're watching a really great film, and she's like, she knows what she's fucking doing. Yeah, and all her films are great. Uh huh. Like, I would, She's an auteur. Like, she really. probably get like got like a good head start like by the fact that her father like probably helped her like. And all her get films, into yeah. the business, all her films like, have been done under his production. Yeah, company, but her like director. her films are good enough, like really good yeah. to be released. Yeah, I mean, it's not like she's making a bad film yeah. and still getting like money to yeah. make mm-hmm. more she's, shit. Yeah, like, she's making good movies. Like Jonathan Kazin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, is it Jonathan's the son, right? Lawrence Kazin's Kaz- father. Yeah, Jonathan yeah, yeah. Kazin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Is the son. There's Max Landis who makes like absolute yeah. dog shit. Also, yeah. cancel Max Landis. Cancel yeah. him. Yeah, and people yeah. are so complaining about Sofia Coppola. It's like I and don't get like it. Co- she makes totally different films than her father. Mm-hmm. Like she kind of played like the films that she makes. I wouldn't like necessarily be like, oh, they're like super feminine, but yeah. like it's not a crime thriller that no. she's making. She- She's not making like these yeah. super <laughs> ultra masculine films that. Uh, this is an apocalypse now. Yeah, right? that her father makes. Uh, I mean, I think it's hard to like out when your father makes three of the greatest films of all time. Yeah. 
it's like hard to remove yourself from that but I feel like she's done a fantastic job of just saying like I'm gonna make my own films yeah mm-hmm. fuck all you guys mm-hmm. yeah and then she does it. Especially with Somewhere. Somewhere is just like, fuck you guys. I'm going to make what I want. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's so gangster. I love that mm-hmm. film. It's she won Best Director at Con. She also got a golden uh, line for Somewhere. So mm-hmm. She won Best Director for The Big Isle. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard that, yeah. Becoming only the second woman to do so, mm. apparently. Yes, it was The Godfather Part 3. But, like, it's done, you know? It happened. <laughs> She's... There's one movie, yes. She uh, has some, like, acting career credits, too. She yeah. does a lot she's of music like, videos and ads, which is cool, too. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> big fan of, she's a big fan of Phoenix. She works with Phoenix a lot. Joaquin? No, 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 Phoenix the band. Oh, Phoenix <laughs> the band. I was like, <laughs> They're like, she puts them in A Very Merry Christmas. Mm. Like, they're like the band, the hotel band. Yeah. Like, it's like, or not the hotel band, but uh, they get, like, stuck inside of a recording studio and they're abandoned there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've not seen a very very <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> when I was working for her f- through her filmography, I was like, I gotta watch it. Feel um, obligated yeah. to. Yeah. Like, like, may as well. So I didn't get it at all. It's just like a Christmas special, uh-huh. and I was looking at reviews, and someone was saying it's like eliciting like the old style Bing Crosby Christmas specials, which I've never seen. I'm yeah. twenty two years old. <laughs> years old. Uh-huh. I would not know what those are. Yeah. So that just kind didn't of influenced it. Click with you, it yeah, definitely. But, I mean, like, it is for a sophomore feature to win. Best screenplay. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe, like, should have won Best Director, but... What was that year? 2003? So who is it? Because she got Let's nominated see. for Best Director that year, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. Let me see. One of five. Yeah, yeah, one of five. So sad. This uh, is the right year. This is gross. What is it? Oh, what is it? That's <laughs> no, the wrong year. It's the wrong year. Oh. I'm looking at 2003, which was written in Roman Polanski, but I need to look at like 2005. Oof. Oof. Roman Polanski's mm. also canceled. Yep. Sorry. <laughs> uh, it was Peter Jackson for Return of the King. Oh. <laughs> it's like the obliga- obligator- obligatory Oscar that yeah. should have gone to for Fellowship. Yeah. I think Fellowship was the best one. Yeah, uh, it was. It was. I mean, not to knock on the other two, but... It's where the other two get, like, the first one is very, like, premise-based, and then mm-hmm. the other two get into, like, this, the more political aspects, and, like, it gets more convoluted after mm-hmm. that. Yeah. But, uh, all great films. Mm-hmm. She lost out. Yeah, but should've won it. She should've won it. Um, and she got screenplay, so. What was the screenplay that year? Uh, the Bavarian, the Bavarian Invasions, Dirty Pretty Things, Finding Nemo in America. Uh, I think. I've seen Dirty Pretty Things. Yeah. I think that movie's okay. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then Sean Penn won Best Actor over Bill Murray. Sean Penn. Sean Penn. Yeah. Oh my god. Hard hitting news with the El Chapo. Yeah. <laughs> That was so random when that happened. I was like, yeah. what? I, I thought I was, was like, am I reading this right? Sean Penn. It's like an onion headline. Yeah. <laughs> and then he had like that whole tech, like thing about how. Like a Star Wars Born is like a masterpiece. Like mm-hmm. he wrote this whole letter about how Bradley Cooper should play <laughs> best around. Film Twitter was like, Sean Penn is crazy. Yeah. But he's not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. It's totally crazy, yeah. I just love how Japan is depicted in this. I just love this whole film yeah. in general. It's, it's like a, it really feels like a dreamscape. Like it's like easy to say that for like a lot of movies. It's like it's not like a dream, but like the way they're just like wandering around and it just feels like completely like they're set in this completely foreign 
place that they've never been in, meeting people that they've never talked to before, doing things that they probably haven't really done in a long time, especially for Bob. Mm-hmm. Like, and then the music really plays into it well, like mm-hmm. a lot of like dream pop and like shoegaze, like just plays everything perfectly yeah. into that. I love that she's able to make that dream like kind of tone in like a definitely like bustling, loud city mm-hmm. of Tokyo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of just able to create that like muted environment where it's like them together because them together by themselves and they know like yeah that what they have kind of outweighs all the noise outside yeah like in this giant cityscape where Mm -hmm. it's bustling there's all these people and it's just but like it just manages to just be them too Mm -hmm. connecting and it's like it's beautiful yeah yeah it's a more subtle and like disciplined directing style than uh, like her debut yeah um, it's not, it's more like event driven mm-hmm. where like, there's no like there's overarching no plot where yeah. you yeah. it's not like, oh, this is going to happen now. This is the third yeah. act. Like there's not even really like fall a fall or whatever redemption. Like, mm-hmm. like really like a big, like, uh, if anything, their narrative arc is just like them understanding yeah. where, how they belong. And that's kind of like her MO where it's like, I'm going to make all these different scenarios mm-hmm. that are all thematically tied. And mm-hmm. then those thematic those thematic scenes and elements are all gonna create something mm-hmm. collectively overarching. So yeah. There's barely even like a major like conflict in the movie. Like there is none. Yeah. Like it's probably like, the most com- like conflict thing. Is was there like, an internal conflict? Yeah. yeah. It's not like yeah. there's no external like thing plot device to push them forward. Yeah. Other so than maybe like the, maybe when she, she he slept he with slept her. Level, yeah. yeah. What carpet would you guys have chosen? <laughs> <laughs> Aren't they all burgundy? Yeah, they're all burgundy. They are. I would probably pick the bright red one. Bright red? Wow. Get some carpet vibe. Get some uh, Hollywood premiere vibes going on. Uh, right, right, right. <laughs> you know? Cool. Maybe some, like, the Twin Peaks curtain color. Yeah. Oh, they're the movies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> kid was like, who was... Was it... It wasn't the kid that sent the facts at the end, right? It was Charlotte who sent the facts with the heart. Uh, mm, I think no, so. No, it wasn't it. The heart was her husband I can't that said, see you soon. Uh, I can't, no, I'm pretty sure it was Charlotte. I'm pretty it's sure. just Charlotte at the top. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. whoops, my yeah. bad. The kid. Literally <laughs> yeah. every time. Do you want to speak with your dad? No. No. <laughs> no. I had to like pause. Well, I paused this time to read all the letters. And one of the letters from the person or the wife was like, I'm having quality quality time with the construction crew. And I was like, ooh. Yeah, I was like, um. <laughs> That's at like the very bottom of the letter, though, so it doesn't really come through unless you pause yeah, it because like the next piece uh-huh. of paper is printing over top of it. Yeah. But on quality time with the construction crew, I think we'll finish it. Yeah. <laughs> finish it there. Uh, I think we already said our closing thoughts. Uh, this is not... Let's just do our closing thoughts. We already kind of... We'll just do like yeah. really tight here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is my fourth favorite Sophie Coppola film. But fourth? What? Wow. <laughs> but wow. like but like they're all that great. Okay, I haven't seen somewhere so I can't yeah. say. Uh-huh. I haven't seen anything past Marie Antoinette. Mm-hmm. Same. It's like for me Virgin Suicides, Marie Antoinette and Somewhere are all like this wow. ungodly wow. level and then Lost in Translation is like right behind it. But like Lost in Translation is still like a four out of five, so it's like <laughs> it's a bad thing. Same thing with like the Begala, I gave Begala a four, so Mm. It is just yeah. an existential crisis. I mean, I'd, I'd have to see it. I'd, I'd see the rest. Yeah, I'm doing what you did going through Sophia yeah. Coppola's filmography. I yeah. have all her films on my computer right now. So Only nine films. If you, yeah. It's only nine if you include the holiday special. Oh, um, yeah. Even shorter. Yeah, so I can definitely get, get through them. Yeah. Just watch Marie Antoinette and then watch Somewhere and you're like, 
holy shit, this is a completely different style. And it's like a yeah. one thing for her. And I mean, I'm not hoping for, like, I mean, if it ends up not being my favorite Sofia Coppola film, then great. That's, that's, <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you guys' takes. Final. Lost in Translation is like, it was a lot, like a really impactful film for me when I was younger. I mean, I think that kind of has like worn off since I have gotten older. But I mean, out of the films that I have seen from Coppola, it's like first or second given the mood in which I am in. Yeah. I think right now it's still Virgin Suicides, but Lost in Translation is just, it's so subtle and so nuanced. And I just love films that are unafraid to be quiet. Yeah. And I, what they're trying to do. Yeah, for me, it, well, The Virgin Suicides and Lost in Translation, you can pick either. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. It depends on the day. And those are your first two films. Yeah, God. yeah. Like, nobody's like, it's so hard to do. But, yeah. Like, so many romances, like, struggle to build this intimacy and, like, this connection between characters. And Lost in Translation, I think, is one of the best films to do that for me. So, And it's I not even it. romantic. Yeah. And, yeah. It's, like, so... It's just its own. So, yeah. And on that note, uh, thank you, Joelle, for coming on. Thank you for having me. We appreciate it. Uh, we post a podcast every Monday at 8 a.m. on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Yeah. Them all. <laughs> uh, you find us there. Uh, please comment. No, no, no. Rate. Rate, comment, and subscribe. Yeah. Yeah. The ratings yeah. are what pushes up the iTunes algorithm, so please do that. Uh, check out our website. Uh, if you're listening to this now, we currently have open submissions for uh, the UW Student Film Festival. That's open through the 27th to submit. Uh, also on our website, tons of articles. We got, you know, popping over spring break. Watch a South by Southwest coverage, courtesy Greg. We got tons of stuff. Go listen to our South by episode. We're, we're getting ready for SIF. We did, yeah. You know, SIF's going to be great. SIF's coming up. SIF's going to be crazy. <laughs> um, please use our Amazon Smile link or Me Social Undies. Media. Oh, I'm getting there. Oh, I'm getting there. Uh, we'll, fine, we'll do social media. <laughs> You can find us on Facebook at UW Film Club or on Instagram and Twitter at Film Club UW. Fuck you, University of Wisconsin. (laughs) Give us the handle, damn it. (laughs) Uh, You can use our Amazon Smile link or MeUndies link. Our HelloFresh blue apron. um, HelloFresh. Casper mattresses. Brooke Lennon. Brooke Lennon. That's a new one. Matt Um, Weldon. Hymns. Hymns. Hymns is. <laughs> oh God! Okay, <laughs> hymns is like uh, how do I put this lightly? It is for erectile dysfunctions. You can go online what? and you can like uh, get like a pseudo doctor subscription in like ten minutes, what? and they'll send you like the Viagra pills. So like, yeah, you haven't heard that in your podcast? No. <laughs> Gotta get a new network. Oh my God. <laughs> new podcast network. Um, because that's not like that's all these things give them. They have like a network. You join a network and then the network then, yeah, sends you ads yeah. and you read the ad reads. Uh, there's that stupid power luggage thing wherever we have that. Oh, I've heard of that one. Where we have like, all the sponsors. Yeah, all the sponsors. All of the sponsors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but that should do it. Uh, thank you for listening as I explain what hymns are. <laughs> uh, hope to see you next week and uh, bye. <laughs>